everybody, and welcome to Between Play Stock Market Strategies. With us today, we have Tech with Sandeep. Hey, Sandeep, how are you doing? Excellent. Thanks very much. And we have here our guest expert speaker, Greg Willis. Hi, uh, Greg. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Doing very well. Great to be on with you. Um, just so that we can get a little bit of background uh, for our viewers, I know that you're uh, known uh, in uh, your industry and um, probably throughout the whole world. But for those that don't know anything about you, um, would you be willing to go a little bit into your background in order to put us up to speed? Sure, happy to. Uh, so quick background, 30 plus years as a media and tech executive, grew up in the business at HBO way back when, uh, running affiliate sales for part of the company, and then moved on to uh, work for the Food Network that I actually helped start as one of the initial employees, got that off the ground. From, from absolutely nothing to a full-fledging network and sold that to Scripps, uh, joined Scripps to then become a DIY, of, uh, excuse me, GM of DIY, worked and then went on to work for Liberty Media for Box Music Network, all sales. So that's my content background. And then I've worked for a number of technology companies, everything from Ascent Media, which was owned by Liberty, to HP, uh, to a couple of streaming companies, one of the early ones, IVT, uh, New Lion, who's big in sports, to working for HP and then IBM, and most recently Endeavor. So I've been deep into the content space, understand not only the business models, the digital workflow, but the evolution of the business, right? Went through cable, satellite, so forth and so on, um, you know, and currently uh, you know, work in that space. And very fortunate to have a lot of good friends and contacts around the world in the media, as well as telecommunication space. That is super interesting. And I know that, um, you know, Sandeep has also his background in the telecommunication space. So what I'd like to do now is to hand this over to uh, Sandeep so that that way you guys can have this uh, very intellectual conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, bring all of us novice people up to speed on, uh, you know, what's been going out there on out there in the past, uh, you know, where we are in the present, and I guess where you all believe that we may be heading in the future. All right, Sandeep, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Al. Thanks for that. Um, so, Greg, you know, Greg, you and I have worked together for a number of years, and uh, we've had a great relationship, and I'm so pleased to have you on the show. So I will reiterate what Al said, like, just like, thanks for being on the show. Um, so what I'd like to go through today is just kind of follow your content background, just kind of like figure out, you know, where you started to where we are now and how the model works and where the model, I don't want to say fails, but perhaps needs work or perhaps is a little bit broken or a little bit tragic and then figure out um, what the disruption actually is, what comes after streaming and then talk a little bit about turn challenges and uh things like that sure so, so why, why don't you just start with where you know your beginnings and we'll just go from there yeah happy to so what's interesting about the media business if you look at it it's gone through multiple phases of disruption and i think today is probably going through one of the biggest periods of disruption you go back in time i don't go too far back but radio you know television then came cable then came satellite, VHS, DVDs, worked its way on the internet. Every time it went through a transformation, everyone thought, oh my God, the world's gonna fall apart. Well, guess what? Broadcast is still here and still very healthy. 
cable has grown. You know, satellite took off. It was the hot new product in the 90s. Now it's going the wrong direction because broadband, you know, is really here. And that's a, a centralized way of delivering content as well as communication devices, you name it. So it's evolved. And then you look at the technology business in the last 20 years, Google, Amazon, others coming onto the scene, major disruptors. If you'd ask someone 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they would be the leader in cloud and one of the leading providers of content. You would say, you're out of your mind. Guess what? That's what they're doing today. Why? Because they, they're looking at the overall relationship and trying to create the best delivery of products. But if you look at the evolution and where we stand today, you know, briefly said, the advertising business always plays catch up to the technology. And by that, I mean, the consumer now controls what they want, when they want to watch it versus appointment television. In broadcast, you delivered a spot, you ran, you know, 12, 14 minutes an hour of commercials. There were breaks, there were promos, it was locked in. Cable right. came along, it got more complicated and more channels. But now, you know, internet came along and look at Google's done a phenomenal job. They created search that solved a lot of problems for the internet. Where can I find stuff? That hasn't happened today in streaming. So streaming's still figuring that out. You often see a spot that is, a, is it just a, a billboard saying you'll we'll be back in a minute because they can't insert the spot. Um, so there's a lot of uh, disruption. Today, streaming accounts for 40% of viewership, but only 20% of the revenue. Why? because ad sales hasn't caught up. The business models aren't working, quite frankly. Yet everyone's trying to grow the business and dramatically grow it. Look what's happened since the pandemic, Discovery Plus, you know, um, the Disney Plus, all these Paramount now is on the scene. Everyone's on the scene because they're actually realizing that the people they were licensing content to, Google, Prime, Netflix, all of a sudden now are the competitors. So it's become a much more competitive marketplace and everyone's trying to figure out those models. The other comment I'd make is, if you're a studio, if you're Warner Brothers or Universal, you made a movie or a show, you put it on broadcast, it was licensed, and if you have to own the station, it's great. Then it went to cable, if you have to own those, it's great. But you license it out globally and around the world. Now, all of a sudden, you're like, well, I'm not going to license to Netflix or Google, so I'm going to hold on to it. So you're losing your opportunities in terms of revenue. And all that stuff needs to get shaken out and worked out to quite frankly, figure out what the business model is for streaming. I, I don't think we're there yet. I think we've got a couple more years of shakeout. My projection for this year is there'll be a lot of acquisitions because there's a lot of companies that just aren't going to survive, either in the content space or in the technology space. But it's 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 an exciting kind of be in the business because it's changing. It's a tough time because there's a lot of unfortunate layoffs going on because everyone thinks the recession is going to be bigger than hopefully it will be, but we'll see what happens. But it's, it's exciting, it's, you know, a lot going on, but it's an evolution. I still think we're in some phase in 10 years now, we'll look back when we've gone, if we better go to, to metaverse and look back at this time as, you know, when streaming was sort of in its disruptive time. So, so let me ask you then, uh, Greg, so you talked, you touched on a, a couple of really interesting points, right? So uh, we're, we're talking about the advertising catching up with the content management. I know the old school model was, you know, he who has the most libraries wins or she who has the most libraries wins. So if you have the most movies, you win, right? And that's what makes your, your, your company valuable. But then you look at the Netflixes that are, are spending billions of dollars on new shows um, and going into debt to do that, to create content that's exclusive. And even Amazon's doing the same with Amazon Studios, et cetera. Um, 
how does that fare in terms of that? And especially now as Netflix has suddenly pivoted and said, we're going to create an advertising model. I don't know what it's going to be, whether it's going to be persistent ads every 15 minutes, like the old school model was, but it, it seems to be like people are pulling a lot of pieces out of old school models to apply them to streaming, which I personally don't think are going to work, but that's, that's my opinion. So there's a lot of interesting things you brought up. So I go a couple of different directions. One of them is a study that was just done by um, uh, Evan Shapiro is that 70% of viewers, consumers, would accept advertising in their streaming platform, assuming it's you know the right balance of advertising versus overload. Two years ago, Netflix, when it really took off, or maybe three years ago, even pre-pandemic, uh, um, people loved it because there were no commercials and they could binge and watch all day long. Yeah. Well, guess what? The world has now changed now. And also it was less expensive and cable was more expensive than, you know, whether it's Hulu, whether it's YouTube TV, whether it's Sling, whatever it is you're subscribing to, you know, DirecTV View, all these different services. Um, all of a sudden those prices have all gone up. So things are starting to even out in terms of from a cost standpoint. But I think where the real challenge in the marketplace beyond advertising, but the advertising impacted by this is the consumer is thoroughly confused, right? One month I'm in Netflix, you know, I'm in H now HBO Max, which is merging with Discovery Plus. You know, you've got Paramount Plus that's shown up on the scene. We had to watch Yellowstone and Paramount. But then if I want to watch a year from now and I'm new to the show, I have to go find it on NBC, who by the way is their competitor. So the consumer is confused, whereas in the olden days, it would have gone from studio to network to syndication to, you know, somewhere in there was home video. Well, now it could jump from Paramount to NBC to, to Peacock. So there's a lot of confusion. I think the, the customer experience, the literally people are accustomed to flipping channels. Well, you can't flip from Netflix to Peacock. You got to go out of one app into another app. It's a little bit different than just flip the channel. And then I think the biggest challenge, or excuse me, biggest opportunity is, is analytics. Is that whether it's Google or whoever figures out to apply what Google did to traditional internet search to the video business and somehow do it across, you know, and it's gonna be hard because this, you know, they're all competing. But if you can, if you like watching this. You might like enjoy watching this. It might be on a different service, it could be on a competing service or within the same service. So there's a lot of opportunity there, a lot of challenge. Um, without a doubt, advertising is being impacted. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing a softening of the economy, which is seeing a softening of advertising. But one last data point, they just announced Fox, you know, they sold at the uh, Super Bowl 30 second spot for $7 million. Anheuser-Busch bought three of them, right? So you, on one hand, they're spending world record for live sporting event and sporting you know, rights are going through the roof because they're particularly for whether it's World Cup or Super Bowl or things like that. Basically, baseball has just set a record again for revenue from, from all the teams. Um, so it's 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 crazy. It's, it's really evolving. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, it's having an impact on jobs. Um, but at the same time, it's an exciting time. So a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So, so uh, do you mind if I chime in for a second? Okay. I just, yeah, just, I don't know if you could just write down your thought there, Sandeep. Uh, I found a lot of the stuff that Greg uh, was saying um, extremely interesting because, um, you know, in our daily lives, 
um, look, I'm a, I'm a huge um, football fan, uh, meaning soccer, the European one. <laughs> but no. uh, depends on who's calling it from where, right? But, uh, you know, and um, listen, I was on zone, and it had like, it had everyone. It had, uh, you know, uh, the Italian league, the French league. It had uh, the, you know, uh, the UK. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. It had every single one of them. And then it had the Champions League games on there. It, it was like a one-stop shop for soccer fans. So immediately I jumped on the boat. They ended up losing like almost all of them to, to, to Fubo TV or something like that. Yeah. And then they ended up having one or two things on there. And then Rogers got some other stuff and whatever. And then you're just going, well, wait a minute now. If I just want to see soccer, all right, because it doesn't work like the way the NHL works and for, 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 for soccer. The NHL, you know, it's one league and that's it. They just play in different cities. And you just look at the Stanley Cup. Soccer is made completely different. It's got all these different levels. It's got all these different leagues. But if you don't look at these, if you're a big soccer fan, all these leagues are just one thing. It's just soccer. It's Europeans. So the problem I find, and interesting what you're saying about jumping through apps, is that when you want to watch a show like The Handmaid's Tale, uh, which was on Crave or something like that before, and then I think uh, Amazon picked them up, but you have to have, to, in order to see one show, you're paying for one thing. And now you have to pay Rogers. And now you yeah. have to pay this. And now you have to pay that. Now you have, there's, you have, we're in this world now. And Sandeep and I, we were speaking about this at one point. The internet was supposed to stop all this, be cheaper than common cable. We're, it's more expensive now because you got to pay for the internet. And then you got to pay for all these apps. So we're out of pocket even more because if I want my kids to watch Disney and now uh, YouTube's got a different thing for children, there's going to be different things for kids along the board. And if you want to see a movie here, like Marvel, well, you better go on Disney if you want to see that there. So you now we're stuck. In my view, if it's going to be like that, the old ways of just clicking through channels was a hell of a lot better because I was paying one service provider and I'm getting everything. So it's almost like a catch-22 that we're in at the moment. It so you, is a catch-22 in some regards. It's also going back to old business models, meaning that you have, yeah. you have the creation of fast channels. So if you are Viacom and you own some incredible brands, Nickelodeon to MTV and everything in between, um, those are now being spun out into free channels as well as channels licensed to the satellite and content you know, distributors, whether it's Comcast or whoever it may be. But they're, they're literally trying to scatter the market and get into every connected TV. Connected TV is the one of the fastest growing areas because if you're Samsung or LG, you have your portfolio of channels. So you're now licensing most of them being free to pull all this content in and getting a piece of that advertising. So they're becoming the cable operator in a way. Yeah. So there's all these changes going on. But to your point about viewership, and for example, I'm a New York Yankee fan, or if you're a, Ra a Rangers fan in New York, where do you watch that? It's unless you add it on to your service um, or some you know games might end up like in football on Amazon, but not other places. So you have to be Amazon. Well, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you're not getting football. So it, it is a disservice. And then today I'm just reading 
that the regional sports networks in the U.S. are about to go bankrupt again. And the firm that bought them out of bankruptcy, you, you know, 15 years ago, some of the most valuable assets in the media business were regional sports networks because it was the New York Yankees with Yes Network. It was, you know, Boston with the Celtics, you know, and, and the Bruins, you know, L.A. These things, you know, when they popped up in the 90s and 2000s, they were worth gazillions of dollars. Now, all of a sudden, they're because those individual channels are struggling to create regional sport networks that get subscription. They relied on cable and they were sort of propped up by cable because they were made part of the package. Then they were peeled away. But, you know, but to your point, cable got expensive and now streaming is getting expensive. So then the, the harder part is how do you navigate? You know, no one ever used a guide. Traditionally in the cable business or broadcast, the average consumer had 10 to 12 networks they watched. Maybe it's news and sports and movies, depending on what you, lifestyle, food network, home and garden, discovery, whatever it may be. Absolutely. And now, you know, you can get those channels in one place, but if you want to get more of it, you know, and that's the great, one of the great benefits of cable, there are more channels dedicated to that genre. Well, now streaming, it's gone like turbocharged, but now it's confusing because it's still all about the money. And I go back to my Yellowstone example. You watch the premiere of that on Paramount. But let's say a year from now, you'd never watched it and you want to watch the first season. It's not on Paramount. It's over on Peacock. That's like the Yankees trading to the Red Sox. I mean, that's, that's as competitive as it gets. And the consumer's like, well, wait, who makes the show? I mean, you ask people today, where did you watch X? They're like, I don't remember. Whereas before, I believe, in this research to back this up, you knew... Game of Thrones was on HBO. You knew Sopranos. Even though later it got syndicated and went somewhere, you, all the series were there. The new ones came out. It was kept there. It might have been sold off or, or syndicated somewhere else, but it wasn't like you took Game of Thrones and all of a sudden you put it over on Showtime. That would never happen. And those two were the competitors in the United States, right? So there's, I think that the, the consumer's confused. The business models are challenging. Um, is the consumer better off? They have easier access to it, sort of. I mean, you can get you can get more stuff, but getting flipping channels and finding shows, you know, can be challenging. For younger demos, maybe it's easier, and they're actually more willing to pay for it, believe it or not, than older demos. Some of the research proves. So it'll be interesting to see where this business goes. I think the idea of this of Disney Plus and Netflix with advertising makes complete sense. Because you'll have someone who can't afford to get, you know, whether it's Prime to, to get something, and, and Prime's got ad-free and not ad-free. There's got to be something for everybody. Because not every demographic is going to spend 100 bucks a month on, on video. Never mind the yeah. data, just to get the video. So let me, let me ask you a question then, right? Because, you know, the old syndication model is the whole Chuck Berry model, right? So... Um, and th that was brilliant. And you were able to resell the same content over and over and over again, regionalize it, you know, having done a stint in the film industry and television and all that stuff. I understand like regionalization of, of content in like say Germany or the U S or certain States or whatever the case may be. And even Netflix is sort of doing a, a, a similar kind of syndicated model, meaning that you only get certain content streamed in certain countries like the UK versus the US. And that's why people go out and get these weird VPN streaming services. But um, so two questions. One is, 
is the syndication model dead? And do we just need to give everything to everyone? Because it really seems to be refranchising and reselling the same thing over and over again, which was how that, that model was built. Um, but the other question is, is the consumer going to put up with that, right? So Better Call Saul comes out all six seasons, one shot in the UK, but it's released one week at a time in Canada or the United States. Yeah, the tough part with doing that, I understand that, and that's been going on, is you know, I, I don't want to even bring up the word Napster, but you know what Napster did to the music business and there, there is a smaller form of it in the video business. You, know, you can find those things out there, which is unfortunate because it does take money to create the content. It takes money to yeah, pay for that content. So, it's, but but if you start, if you have a show, you know, you think of the movie business. If Maverick had only been released in the United States and nowhere else for a month, it would have been illegally just all over the place. But it, you know, the studios get smart and release it everywhere at the same time. In terms of that's a mega movie, right? But you know, it, it is challenging because if you're delivering Netflix into India versus Netflix into the UK versus the US, the price points are totally different, right? And right. But the content still costs money to make. But the good news for Netflix is they have, one of the advantages they have is they showed up later to the, to the party, right? And they, they weren't caught up in all these old contracts that some of the big networks and studios were, or, or they didn't have rights to the talent to go beyond the US. And we lost yeah. the Food Network we never really thought we'd go outside the US. This is 1993. In 1995, we were going, we had to go renegotiate all our contracts with all of our talent. Relatively you know, easy to do because we weren't that big yet. If you're a big studio or a network, you've got to go do all your talent you know, deals to, to go international. So oh, now, you know, and so before you just negotiate the contract for distribution with Comcast or the cable companies, done. Now it's every form you can imagine. You know, from airlines to digital streaming to podcast versions to whatever versions. So it's more it's more complicated. Um, but I think back to your syndication question, it's going to change it because what ABC would sell to a syndicator to sell across the U.S., you know, that might not get syndicated because it might end up on one of these multicast networks that they own or a cable network. I mean, if you go in, there's 1,400 fast channels. I mean. How do you find out what's on on Fast Channel? You go into your LG TV, you go into your uh, or, or Pluto or one of those fast services, and you find it. But uh, you know, it's it, it, it's almost content overload. It's almost like 1995, the internet. You knew it was there, you couldn't find anything. Television, yeah. there's there's so much content, and despite that, I will say there's underserved markets. You know, we talk about diversity in different markets in different parts of the country. Uh, or the world in terms of types of content that's not being delivered. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for the small guys to come up that are underserved because it's cheaper to produce content today. It's just harder to get it to eyeballs because if you're not going to be on Discovery Plus or Disney Plus, if you're going your own route, um, that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But there's, you know. So let me, let me ask you a question then. So in terms of disruption, okay, so streaming has is basically disrupting, you know, the the traditional networks, uh, cable, you know, cable was the original disruptor of traditional TV and or broadcast linear TV, if you will, uh, even though cable was still fairly linear. Um, I think that like, you know, streaming is now it's non-linear, you can watch what you want, how you want, 
mean, I just saw something called Kaleidoscope where they even set up the episodes that you can watch all nine episodes in any order that you want. And you have to figure out the story. Uh, I think that's a Netflix show. Uh, and that was that was quite brilliant in terms of concept, right? I'm not sure everyone's going to buy into that. But the, the, the question I have is, so with all these different services that we're all paying and like effectively, we're now, like Albert said, we're, we're now paying probably more for all of our streaming services. If you're a, if you're a Star Wars fan, you want to watch Andor, you got to buy Disney Plus, right? If you are, um, you know, a, a Yellowstone fan, I think you got to watch it on Netflix. I don't even know. And this is to your point of, I don't even know where to watch any of this stuff. Yeah. So a meta search, a meta engine, uh, something that can track all this stuff. I mean, there's a market for something like that where you can literally, I don't know, pay a dollar a month or maybe it's free and you just go, where can I watch this stuff? Because the even going to the web and looking for it, they're not even sure. Half the time you're just getting reviews of the TV shows that are saying which are, wh whether they're good or not. And so, um, I mean... Uh, where do you where do you so jump off of that point there in terms of the meta search or the search um and give us a sense of what your feeling is as to how that might work and also where you think the next big disruption might come from so a couple of things on your, on your question or questions one you know if you just if you look just at today's earnings of the peacock you just at a $978 million loss, you know, Disney a couple of weeks ago, $1.4 billion. And I bring that for a reason. They were, these guys have been focused on acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. Right. You know, if you have Verizon Wireless, you can get Disney Plus for free. I mean, you know, HBO Max was part of AT&T when AT&T owned them briefly. I mean, so it's an all-out sales effort to get to acquire subscribers, but their bigger problem is the churn, and the churn rates have picked up. Some have leveled off, some have picked up, and then you look at the cost of that, of creating content and the investment there. I think there's a real opportunity in the business to one lower the production cost. ESPN just ran a live, you know, end-to-end, -end, all run through the cloud. Um, so you look at technology to lower costs, um, you look at AI and analytics, there's a number of folks in the marketplace, a couple of interesting companies that are they're just getting their funding around um, analytics for video. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Netflix did a million dollar challenge. If you can create our you know, recommendation engine, we'll pay you a million dollars. I don't know if they actually ever paid that out. Where I'm going with this is that I think analytics and AI are going to be critical. The challenge is, you know, is Warner Brothers, you know, Discovery going to do that themselves? Yes. Disney's over here with ESPN. You got Hulu as part of that. You got Paramount, right? It's not going to be a uniform way to do it. Um, what the cable companies try to do is create their own search. It was generally a voice-activated remote control. Take me to Friends. Some of that today, in today's or more modern world, is starting to work whether it's through your LG or your Samsung or whether it's through your Alexa or through Google, it's hit or miss, right? You'll say a show and it comes back with nothing or it comes back with a whole bunch of them. Right. I think it's those need to advance and you need to analyze what you're watching, you know, and that could be a household, you know, which one's watching what and make recommendations. And the networks need to figure that out. And the, and the 
you know, I think there will be there will be opportunities, you know, to, to make improvements so that you'll actually be able to find things you like to watch that you know that are sort of, you know, whether it's news, sports, whatever, maybe whatever your category is. So you you hit on something here, which which I I think is really important to maybe dive in a little bit on is churn, right? Because I know that everybody is you know because of the pandemic. Everybody was binge watching. Everybody was like, screw it, I'll pay for all my services because I'm not going out. I'm not driving, not paying for gas, not doing this kind of stuff. Now everybody's getting back into the workforce, back doing things. People are mandated to go back to offices. Um, and so there's more costs that's going on, right? So in terms of churn, I mean, notwithstanding, <laughs> excuse me notwithstanding anything uh you know globally impacting like um wars and things like that that are going on uh, do you feel that churn is going to consolidate itself meaning that there's it, it i almost want to say the one ring to win, win them all if you will right so you know like a ring of power where somebody will show up and say you know Here's the one ring. You come here. We will deliver all of the content, and you pay one price, and we will be less than the cable companies. Or do you think that there's going to be a constant churn with everyone fighting over Kager for you know um, from one organization to another? Well, a couple of things. I think I think content is still king, meaning that when people find something they like. And that could be a Food Network chef on a show. That could be Yellowstone. That could be Star Wars. That could be whatever it is. So finding your content and, and searching that out. But what's interesting when you take companies like Amazon or even Google um, or Apple, you can have video. You can have music. There's You can sort of weave into that e-commerce. You've got your Prime, which gets you. The, I mean, there's different hooks and podcasts you know the last couple of years have taken off in a big way so if i can actually go to one app and get more stuff right and maybe if i subscribe you know it's a little bit of what cable did right first it was video then it was internet then it was voice here's the triple play right and then mobile you know now it's the quad play well that's sort of gone away a little bit but maybe that those types of packaging if you're prime it's like hey you can get your video here you can get your Amazon Music here, you know, cable companies try to tap into the alarm business and IoT and networking as another hook. Uh, we'll take care of your house for you if you just stay with us. Um, and cable is still doing great with broadband because broadband is growing. You know, you got 5G that's coming. You've got digital, you know, television that's coming. So there's a lot more networking and um, capabilities that are coming, which people don't talk that much about except. It, it is what makes this whole thing run, right? If you can't connect and there's more and more usage of these things. So we need, you know, I complain because I, get, I have a gig in my house, right? And I don't get enough speed. Well, because we got multiple devices going on. I got like, I don't know, 28 devices connected to my house. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but everything's connected and talking to us, but maybe not talking to us, but but it's, it's, it's interesting. And then you talk a little about telco and IoT. Right and devices. I mean, devices that you have to start my car remotely. I can do this. I can do that. The consumer wants it easier, simpler. How do I get to my television simpler? How do I make my life simpler? Right. And if you can make if you can make my access to my content easier, there might be a play for someone to come out. And and I don't you know there's so many big big companies. Google's not going to all of a sudden say we are the ones who can do all of it. 
They claim they can't on Google TV. They just bought NFL tickets. Um, you know, so who knows? So is so it is. You know, uh, and 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 you and I are old enough to know, but uh, and so is Albert um, to know that uh, there was this word convergence that we all talked about twenty five years ago, and it just kind of went away because we somehow never got it to happen or get it done. It seems like it's now, whether anybody wants it or not, it's being forced upon us, uh, which is fine because I actually like the idea of convergence, but also based on what, everything you're telling me or what I'm hearing is it doesn't seem like we're quite there yet, but it seems like we're on the precipice of it. I mean, would you would you agree or would you what, what do you well, think? I think from a, if you look at it from a company standpoint, you know, there's two times at least that they tried to converge, right? In the 90s and then in the 2000s, right? And just more recently, AT&T buys Direct TV buys, you know, Warner Brothers. That that all that blew up. That didn't work. You know, back in the 90s, whenever it was, when all the Verizons were merging or all the you know telcos were merging, and then they were buying different people. I think. You know, I think the businesses remain separate. I think it's the converging, the use of the technology, right? It's the networking, the IoT, the edge, right? Enabling you to access, enabling you to access and put certain ads I mean, to do today in technology down to the zip code. Uh, I'm working with a company right now called Telios, and they can do streaming down to the zip code. And they do it for one of the large cable providers as a streaming platform. So if you want to deliver an ad to a zip code, you know, versus just running your ad across whatever coverage that network has or whatever whatever the you know, platform has, but but I think the convergence of technology of you know um, it, it's again you're doing home shopping, delivery to your house, watching your video, all these things are becoming connected, and it really is driven by the consumer saying this is when I want my video, my you know. My, my cell phone to do all these things. The iPhone was probably one of the big things that helped create some of that conversions because you're watching, or, or even Samsung, a lot of video on your mobile. And then sure. like, you'll never watch video on your mobile. And then it took off like a rocket. You know, it's leveled off. People still like the big screen, but they love their mobile. Or whether they're watching a highlight from a game, they download it and they're watching it on a plane or whatever it may be. So there's definitely, I mean, Apple's right there in a great spot. They have the technology. They also think about the consumer experience and create that incredible seamless experience that some others can't create. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and, and, and I'll throw in there as well too, right? I mean, you know, way, way, way back in the early '90s, way too early, you know, we went and did a pitch deck uh, of a streaming music service, which wasn't really streaming; it was downloading wave files because there were no fat pipes at the time, and we were told no one will ever listen to music on the internet, and you know. <laughs> our lives are completely changed like you know 30 years later um not because of me just generally speaking right so yeah. uh I, that perspective is really really good i i, I guess uh, al did you want to say something because uh, uh, otherwise i've got another question well i just i find it all very very interesting because the thing is that i what always comes back down to me is you know um this is only working and this is only capable you know to actually function if there's telecommunications companies. So the thing is, is that, yeah, Apple's big, Google's big, they're all big, but in reality, the way I see it, they're little flies because 
if the telecommunication company doesn't exist, none of this exists. There's no infrastructure at that point. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I find it very interesting that, because um, Greg mentioned um, IoT, Internet of Things, and the more that that comes into play in the future, I mean, when we look at the stock market, I keep on saying to myself, man, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, um, big sports leagues and, you know, going bankrupt or whatever and all these types of things. But then you have these kids that are playing online there, you know, on Twitch, um, these, um, you know, gaming platforms that they're, you know, uh, and, and they're making, they're filling up arenas and stuff. And, and we see this change. But at the end of the day, you need that zero trust, which we've brought up so many times before, Sandy. It has yeah. to be there. It must be there. You know, when we come back down to the things that when we mentioned IOTs, we're looking at that car, that self-driving autonomous vehicle, which is dependent on it at, at, at all. Because if you're going to turn your chair around to talk to the person in the back there, which they show, you know, that you're supposed to be able to do. All right. Well, you got to make sure that the grid doesn't go down at any moment or that doctor that's making that operation from, you know, another country over, uh, you know, with some robotics that's inside over this, uh, you know, so all these things that we're talking about from where we were to where we are now and where we're going, I just, it keeps on coming back to me of how much power the telecommunications industries actually have. It's just insane, especially in the future. Yeah, just following on that, Comcast just released their earnings, and Brian Roberts talked about the fact that even though video disconnects are up, and their overall business is very positive because of all the things you're talking about. Their broadband is better. Their their mobile is taken off. Um, they've got a partnership with Charter around streaming, so that's got potential. They've even got an alarm business, but their their broadband and their business to business stuff is growing because they're delivering high quality broadband and supporting IoT. Um, in fact, I worked with them on an IoT project a few years ago when I was at IBM. So everyone's trying to figure out how to make their service better in terms of reliability. And you're right, the underlying internet and broadband, and, and, and I'll throw in some satellite in the middle of all that because a lot of that's yeah. connecting. Yeah. All that is absolutely critical. You know, and, and I still go, you know, if I go back for a second, um, you hear about outages every once in a while. In fact, I had one of my cable system two days ago for four hours. I don't think the last time I had one for four hours is usually they fix it within a couple of minutes. But you, you know, networks, are, networks, you know, when 9-11 happened, I have to go back to that day, is when a number of companies realized they didn't have backups to anything. And when New York's and so much communication was going through the world. It's like the Rogers outage that even happened recently. company all of a sudden boardroom was saying, we need a backup plan, right? Well, today, fast forward your years later, it's got to be that that good because whether whether it's an unfortunate event that happens or a storm or something, how do you get that redundancy? How do you get to, to keep these things going? Yourself in a driverless car when all of a sudden a major data center goes down. Well, there's got to be a backup. And that's one of the beauties of cloud, right? And whether you're IBM cloud or AWS or Google or Azure or the other, or Alibaba's, they actually make that redundancy a lot easier than the old school have your own data center. So I think the the evolution of all that will continue. Um, and and Cindy, if you know, because we work together on IBM's cloud for telecommunications, because you guys yeah. are partnering that. 
you know, it's creating that next generation of connectivity that's cloud driven. That there's no hard, it's you know, the hard work back in the IBM data center cloud or the Google or the, or the AWS, but those have to continue to evolve as well. And I think there's more and more things coming down the road in, you know, that will also positively affect the television and video business because you're going to get a better signal when you have 5G, real 5G, where it's everywhere, not bits and pieces of it that we have today. Despite if you listen to all the ads from T-Mobile, you think we all have 5G. When you really have that signal, you know, maybe that becomes 10G or whatever G that the next G is or 6G or 7 or whatever it is, yeah. where you need broadband, right? I mean, who knows where the world's going? Everything will just be wireless. I just have one more question, Sandeep, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. Okay. And, 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 you know, I know this is probably for another show. Okay. I just want to know if I'm, uh, if, if my brain is working in this context, right? Because I'm a novice here, like probably most of the listeners out there. And I just want to make sure, because when I'm investing, I always want to know what's the future technology. I don't want to invest something that's dying, right? I don't want to be in a dying industry. I want to be in, an industry that looks more like it's it's the future, right? A lot of people talking about metaverse, you know, failing in certain aspects and all this kind of stuff. But when I'm listening to you talk and when I've, you know, look at all the research I've done and listen to Sandeep as well and everything like that, I, I'm not too sure if one is interrelated. So that's why I just would like to be have some clarity here. So when we're talking about the cloud. That's why it's so important. We're saying the cloud is so important because of these things that we're talking about. When we talk about the cloud, and we talk about the metaverse, this metaverse that they're trying to create, okay, like this big picture metaverse. And I'm not just talking about the Facebook metaverse, but the ones that the, you know, the big engineers back there, you know, the big alphabet companies are talking about, right? Is that really as important as what we need in the future when we look at cloud versus you know, um, that kind of a world in order to move forward and blockchain? Like, is that, I mean, I know it's probably for another show, but is, are they interrelated? I just need a yes or no, pretty much. I think there's some, yeah, they are interrelated. Um, I mean, metaverse, you know, we'll see where that ends up where that, you know, what, there's a lot of hype right now about it, given what Facebook has done. But I look at the basic core business when you talk about investment, it's security, it's protecting people's privacy you know it's being able to deliver so the cloud hyperscale is continuing to invest in bringing partners in who can solve you know i'll call them future problems every day there's an outage every day there's all sorts of bad stuff going on you know in terms of cybersecurity. and and you, you think about it from a government standpoint it's a whole nother level right now it's not people don't worry about someone launching a missile they worry about someone turning off a electric grid in New York City. Imagine you turn off New York City. Absolutely. Or Toronto or LA or who knows where, right? Yep. And so so I think the you look at companies, I won't start quoting names, but there are a lot of great brands in security that I look at and I invest in because this is going to be a never-ending challenge, right? You get into metaverse and other things that, that are more exposing your information. Again, security uh, the networking business is absolutely critical to all the things we talked about. Uh, you know, I think this shift in digital workflows for production companies, you know, you, some of the movies you watch, you think how they make that. They never went on location. This is all done in studio with a green yeah. screen and that continues to advance and get better. Um, I mean, that's the cool thing is that we continue as a world, not just the United States and Canada, but growing and evolving technology 
to, to, to fulfill the demand, I think now of the consumer. It used to be the business that sold to the consumer. Now the consumer is saying, I want it better, faster, cheaper. And younger, de younger demographics, they're like, well, we always had Uber. No, we didn't. Uber didn't exist 15 years ago. We always had an iPhone. No, they, they were created before you were born. We, you know, we didn't even have a cell phone, right? So, I mean, but the audience is anyone who's under the age of 30 is grown up with a cell phone, if not, you know, older than that. It's just why, well, yeah, I had one in college. I had one when I was, in, you know, now they have, unfortunately, giving someone like five years old, but whatever. But, but, but again, those generations are expecting even more. They, they want to have, and maybe they'll want that virtual meta experience. Um, but, you know, again, it's an exciting time to be in the business. You know, I, I, you know I, everything you're saying is, is quite incredible. And the technology is advancing so fast that um, I, I'm going to, because, you know, uh, you know, I like having a conversation here. And sometimes I see certain things that just make my mind go, uh, what? Are you kidding me? No, I got to figure out how they're doing this. So I'm just going to basically say like, you know, sometimes they allow us to see, you know, the, I say they, they allow us to see certain little things. It's like a peek into the future of what they can actually do. I don't know if you've ever seen a child show called Dancing Monsters. I don't know. Well, you I have, I have two little, very small children. And this TV show is using very sophisticated 3D holographic projections and stuff where they have created, because it's basically what you're saying, they created a studio somewhere else and an exact studio in front of a live audience. People are wearing all these, you know, devices, the dancers are wearing all these devices, you know, where you put on a green screen. But they're in another location, completely far away. Right. In, in the show, you have a dancing alien, a dancing robot that's moving its lips, closing its eyes. It has a shadow, creates a shadow, and it has reflection on the, on the dance floor. And I'm going, how We've is it possible that a hologram is reflecting off of the windows and creates a shadow. It's mind-boggling because my brain is going, there's a person in that suit. Wait a minute. That's not even a suit. That's a hologram. It's insane. It's a child's show. So here's the thing that I'll, that I'll input on that, right? Is that we've got, like, what's coming, as Greg kind of intimated, is what's coming is going to be out of control for a while i agree that there's a whole bunch of mergers and acquisitions that are about to show up um, that are going to be unexpected but a lot of these companies are running on very heavy debt as greg kind of uh, pointed out which means that they're, they're going to have no choice but to do that and it's it seems a little bit like the old model of buying up content I, you know, as you said, he who controls the content is king, right? It's kind of like the, the country of the blind. So it's, it's really interesting. And I agree, it's an exciting time, especially in content and media. Uh, I agree that the model isn't quite fleshed out. And there's definitely room for someone or something to come in and create a, a meta structure around whether it's based on an AI or 
chat GPT or whatever it is that will be able to go out and figure out your content, not just based on your, oh, I clicked on this ad and I clicked on this ad and you might like this and you might like that, but like something genuine based on what you actually are looking to consume, right? Because that's the other thing too, is that I find is our lives have accelerated since I was 25, which was, I don't know how many years ago, um, life has accelerated to a point now where you must consume, everything must be on demand. You got to answer your email right away. You got to answer your text message right away, even though text messaging was created so you didn't have to answer right away. Get away from the whole weird BlackBerry on-demand thing that they created. Um, like we are now an on-demand society. I want it, I buy it, I pay for it, or I want it, I pay for it, I, I get buy it and it shows up. And in some cases, you can even get it in four hours, right? If not less. So like, this is where we're living right now. And where my kids who are now older than yours, Albert, they're, they're going on 18 and 14. Um, they're going to be living in a completely different universe. And I always joke with them, right? And I say to them as a, I created the internet, which it's not obviously true, but um I helped work with people like Greg and build the foundations of what they are using now. And so infrastructure is king. If you own the infrastructure, or you can create the infrastructure, then there's definitely going to be an advantage for you. But then if you look at what all the large organizations are doing, which uh, Greg and I were talking about this before the show, we're creating TME organizations. So telecom media and entertainment groups right? They've realized that that is the convergence. It's the infrastructure, which is the telco media, which is your application. The entertainment is the content, right? And that's, it's, it's how you're delivering it over what infrastructure and what you're doing. And we're paying for all of that. So it almost seems, at least today, it's clear that we're in a transitional phase. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of hodgepodgey stuff that's being done in order to put all of this together. No matter what anybody's saying, no matter what anyone's talking about with 5G, I mean, we were just at a conference um, in October, on October 28th in Brampton, Ontario, where there was a panel and everybody agreed that we're kind of like 4.75G right now. We're not quite there. And everybody's already talking about 6G and nobody really understands what that's meant to be. So this is kind of the next wave of things that are coming on. So. Greg, I'm going to give you the last word here and uh, Albert let you sign off, but Greg, any other thoughts in terms of future, future proofing or just where you see this going? I, I think it's, you know, maybe a closing comment is it's all about the customer experience, right? Co clients or, or companies to be focused on delivery, whether you're D Disney Plus or whoever it may be. And what is that for that next generation customer? What is that? How do you deliver that? Um, that content, but I think it's 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 the consumer is now in control, right? Twenty years ago, that was not the case. Programmers were programming on a wall trying to figure out how to best leverage all their content. Now it's in the library; you can pull it down and watch it, and watch it when you want. But it, it'd be interesting to see where this market goes. I think I'll go back to my analytics and AI, and delivering a better experience, a better value. I think consumers are pushing back. We are in a bit of a recession. You know, you see what's going on, for example, down at Disney parks, they're shifting and changing some of their pricing because consumers were saying I'm paying way too much 
and I'm not getting access to what I want to get access to. Same thing's going to happen on the content side of the world where you get, you're paying all these different subscriptions. So hopefully something will come together to create some uniform guide or search capability. But if you like watching this, here's where you can watch it and how you can watch it. Metaverse is interesting. Uh, I think that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, ways down the road. Um, but it's, you know, it's an exciting time to be in the business. You know, there's, there's still a lot of great content being made. I think there's content that's underserved. There's audiences that are underserved. But hopefully those will come through with some of the new content that's coming out because it's now less expensive to create content than ever before. I'm not saying you do it with your iPhone, but you know, if you said 10 years ago, I'll use my iPhone to create a TV show, they'd say you're out of your mind. I mean, Sundance just, just happened this past week and there's a number of interesting shows coming out of there, some that were done relatively, very inexpensively done, but getting lots of positive response. So it, it's nice to see that other content coming to, to fruition that's not just coming out of a big studio. So it's a great time to be in the business. You have anything else to add there, uh, Sandeep? No, I just I uh, just want to thank Greg for being on. I mean, like, this was fantastic. And there's a lot of hooks in, uh, in a lot of things that you said here. So we definitely would love to have you back on because I think there's some 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 roads to expand on there. Great. Love it. Yeah. And, Welcome uh, to Thanks, guys. All right. No problem. And just to uh, wrap up, uh, you know, what I would just for uh, the people out there that, you know, listen to the show. Um, you know, everybody always, you know, like we say here, our motto is uh, to research, prepare, plan and execute on all those things. And, you know, when I, I listen to all these conversations right now, I see that there's a lot of um, gobbling up of different companies, uh, probably within uh, the entertainment uh, space. And we look at like uh, companies in the telecom industry that seem to be uh, the big giants here. Uh, cybersecurity looks like it's going to be very big as well. Um, so everybody, every always do your due diligence uh, if you are investing. And Greg Willis, thank you so much for being here. I hope that you will be back on the show. And of course, this is the segment with Tech with Sandeep. And I'll uh, see you next time. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Alex.